Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Please have a seat. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, all you uh, ghoulies and ghosties to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Happy Halloween, America. Happy Halloween, America. It's a fun night for everybody. And I just want to issue a quick public service message to all the kids out there, young people. When you arrive at a stranger's house, remember, you have to say trick or treat or you get nothing. (laughs) When kids come to my door and just hold out their bags silently, I say, what do you say? And if they say, please, (laughs) I shut the door. (laughs) Because that's not how any of this works, okay? There is a clear social contract. You are there to represent a spirit, a demon sent to terrify me with eldritch horrors. And I will fend you off with a supplication of sweets, representing earlier cultures' animal sacrifices to the elder gods. A a treat to stop your trick. How hard is that for children to understand? (laughs) I'm not the bad guy here. You get raisins. (laughs) Sorry, there have to be rules. There have to be rules. We can't have chaos and anarchy. Tonight, the shivers going down the back of trick-or-treater spines were real because people all across the country had to deal with a record-breaking cold spell. Okay, that's tough on the kids. Also, very tough on the parents. Yes, sweetie, I I know that Elsa says the cold never bothered her anyway, but if she doesn't put on her coat, she's going to get an enchanted case of RSV. (laughs) According to Google's frightiest website, this year, the most popular costume is Barbie while the cheapest costume is Oppenheimer. (laughs) I... I am become swamp-ass, destroyer of cushions. (laughs) That's what I thought when I saw the movie. I thought, that's... Okay, put down a towel. (laughs) Your treat bucket might look a little different tonight due to the rising cost of a lot of different ingredients. Candy prices have skyrocketed, so folks are giving out more candy knockoffs this Halloween. So, kids... Yes, no, 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 no. Kids, get excited for Twax. (laughs) Senior Mints. And just the 1M. (laughs) Those would be good. You could also get Skimples, your Porpermint Porpies, or two Musketeers and their neighbor Phil. (laughs) Uh, Last night, uh, down in Washington, D.C., the White House got in on a bit of the spooky fun with their annual trick-or-treat event. This year's theme was Halloween. And the first lady handed out books. Boo! (laughs) Boo, and not the scary kind. Boo! Don't give kids books on Halloween. No one wants to suck on a copy of Catcher in the Rye. (laughs) It's phony. Alongside the first lady, the president gave out Hershey's Kisses in little boxes stamped with the presidential seal. Okay, that's kind of nice. It's special. It's a keepsake. But come on. This is America. 
most powerful, the richest country in the world, the White House should be giving out full-size Snickers. Yeah. That's the house who wants to be on the block. Full-size candy bars are nothing. Tell them why, Joe. Benefits everybody. Hurts nobody. First couple. First couple themselves got all dressed up for Halloween. Dr. Jill went as Biden's uh, cat, Willow. Uh, and very cute. And while it doesn't look like Joe's got a costume on, turns out he was their dog, Commander, which was revealed when he bit a Secret Service agent. <laughs> Hang on. What's this? I'm getting breaking news. We have more knockoff candy names. <laughs> this is this just in? Has this been fact-checked? It has been. <laughs> According to reports, they are Old Ruth, <laughs> Swedish Clams, Almond Grief, and Buttfinger. There you go. What's that? There's nothing in my ear? And this is my deaf ear? Okay. Unfortunately, every day we continue to learn more about new Speaker of the House and wax figurine of Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Less than a week into his tenure, uh, the new Speaker is picking a fight with GOP defense hawks over Ukraine aid, putting him at loggerheads with Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Oh, come on, Mike. Everybody knows you don't pick a fight with Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell will... Right, right. How long was I out? How long was I out? Okay. Is it still Halloween? Okay. All right, we were talking about new Speaker of the House who's also made headlines for his extreme anti-LGBTQ views, once saying, once saying that gay marriage was a dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy. And Mike Johnson fears sexual anarchy. He believes in sexual government with three sexual branches. Man woman, and the judiciary. (laughs) They like to watch. (laughs) And judge. (laughs) But Johnson's not alone in his backward views. He hosts a podcast with his wife, Kelly, called Truth Be Told, which they say presents thoughtful analysis of hot topics and current events from a Christian perspective. Though if Mike and Kelly are such conservative Christians, why is the latest podcast they recorded, and this is true, Episode 69. (laughs) Really? Really? Two Johnsons in a 69? (laughs) You're sending mixed messages, folks. (laughs) And Kelly is, if possible, just as weird as her husband. Because she runs something called Onward Christian Counseling Services, which offensively and outrageously equates being gay with bestiality. Evidently, Kelly believes it's Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve, and don't get her started on Turner and Hooch. (laughs) The type of therapy Kelly Johnson specializes in breaks people into categories called melancholy, choleric, sanguine, supine, and phlegmatic. Those are some 13th century beliefs, which explains Speaker Johnson's plan to replace Obamacare with the Affordable Leech Act. (laughs) Now, those... Sure... There you go. I got something. Hey, yeah, There you go. 
Those categories date back, and this is true, to Hippocrates' theory of the four humors, which says our bodies are made up of blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. Of course, medicine has advanced since then. We now call yellow bile by a scientific name, Mountain Dew. <laughs> fun fact, fun fact. Right after Mike Johnson became speaker, Kelly's counseling website became inaccessible. Oh, GoDaddy works in mysterious ways. <laughs> now, when you go to see the site, you just see, error 404, this seemed okay before I knew we'd be famous. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, John Dickerson. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. My guest tonight is CBS News chief political analyst and anchor of CBS News Primetime with John Dickerson. Please welcome back to The Late Show, John Dickerson! <laughs> nice to see you again. It's great to be back. How's everything over in news? You know because you've watched the news. I do. I yeah. watch the news. I watch, yeah. I watch CBS uh, News it's Primetime with tough. John Dickerson on the CBS News app and on, on my Apple TV that's where I go. I snap over there to the, uh, the CBS thing, and I get you guys at 7 o'clock Monday through Thursday, right? That's absolutely it. And then I can watch you on YouTube uh, after that once the show's been down for a few minutes, right? Isn't that how that works? God bless you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's my, yeah, favorite, it's it my favorite newscast. That's it's the news well, that I want. You. It's John Dickerson, a pillar of journalistic integrity, just telling the people what happened today and trying to put it in context. And that's why we love having you on the show. It is Halloween. Yeah, go ahead, please. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, it's Halloween. Let's talk about something really scary, American politics. <laughs> New speaker, okay, ardent supporter of uh, the January 6th coup attempt, makes a lot of people really nervous about having him second in line to the presidency. And a person who, if the Republicans hold the House uh, in 2024... Will, will, will be there as one of the people leading uh, whether or not the certification goes through smoothly. Okay, so how do you feel about the health of American political institutions today? Well, today, I mean... Was there, that a leading question? Y- yes. Uh, well, the House of Representatives was flatlined for 22 days, so relative to where it was, there's like a faint heartbeat in the... But... But that's a really saying, low saying, bar. It's a lie. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing could possibly be, happen when we let it loose in the countryside. That's a really low bar. I mean, you know, there are serious problems and challenges in America. And what? How do we solve these problems and challenges? We get together, and through these institutions, we deal with the complexities of a diverse country, and we try to come up with solutions. We're not even close to that. We're just trying to keep the lights on by keeping the government funded, and that shows how far we have to go. So. Um, we're in a fragile state, and, um, and I can't really shine it up and make it look better than that, with the exception of the fact that 
there's a whole huge country of good people out there, and hopefully their representatives will, you know, try to match their goodness and their behavior, because a lot of them haven't been doing it. Well, the thing that's sort of spooky about that to me is that built into the Constitution are these um, systemic pressures, for instance, in picking a speaker, where you, if you don't have a big enough majority, then you have to form a coalition government. You have to reach across the aisle. And it seems like if you believe that it's all just a matter of will to get what you want, and if the will doesn't work to overcome the Constitution, maybe the Constitution has to go so that your will has a way. There you go. And that's the danger of what's happened since January 6th. Ben Bernanke, after the, financial, after the financial crisis, said the danger is forgetting. Now, that was with respect to the financial crisis of 07 to 09, but the same is true with January 6th. And look at what happened in the last week. Mike Pence, who stood up and blocked the effort to stop the votes from being counted, so he did the right thing by the Constitution, his, presidency, his presidential campaign is over, largely because he did that. It should have been a hero's narrative in the old-style politics, but... The Republican Party didn't want that. And then look who was elevated, Mike Johnson, who not only worked to stop the counting of the votes, but then also went and spread some of the craziest conspiracies about Hugo Chavez, about Dominion voting. So one has been elevated, another dropped. That gives you a sense of the thrust of that mindset you're talking about, which is if we get an outcome we don't like, well, just go around it, either through violence or through some fancy footwork with the law that tries to get around the fact that we lost fair and square. Well, let's talk about the elevation of uh, Mike Johnson. Did you know anything about Mike Johnson before he... he, And this is your job. (laughs) And you did not know anything about Mike Johnson. I mean... Could you have picked him out in the lineup? No. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to be honest. (laughs) But now he's one of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, some are born to greatness, some achieve it, and some have the speakership thrust upon them. And that's... (laughs) You know, there's a chance he could rise to the moment, but picking a fight with Mitch McConnell right away is not traditionally been the route to safety and health. So the, the speaker, the speaker is supposed to be a consensus builder, supposed to put together like uh, the, uh, the votes. What does it say that he's picking a fight with Mitch McConnell right away? What kind of speaker is he going to be? It could say two things. One, he knows he's got very few votes that he can lose from within his own Republican ranks, so he's got to look you know, loud and proud for that small group, which, by the way, is quite powerful because they just bounced the last speaker and put him in office. So he can't, you know, as a first bid, he's got to be, he's got to tend to that. But he's still under the rule, like, one person to vote to vacate the chair? I think that still is, they're trying to, they're thinking about fixing that, but um, with something called vacate and replace. So you can bounce a a speaker, but then you have to have an alternative. So it might make it a little harder. But yeah, I think he might still be under... Isn't it always implied that you have to have an alternative? Because you know... They They didn't last time. They cycled through four or five attempts. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more John Dickerson, everybody. Stick around. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. We're back with CBS News Primetime's John Dickerson. Mike Pence is out, and uh, Nikki Haley seems to be having a moment right now, certainly in Iowa, 
Uh, they, they, you know, she's having a bit of a surge. Some, some people say that she's, like, she's gathering steam. But at 16% sort of matching uh, DeSantis there, both of them are 30 points behind Donald Trump. Is it steam or are people just blowing smoke? <laughs> well, and you're talking to somebody who, for a long time, as a pure political reporter, um, had an interest, though he fought against it, in saying there's a race going on. So I just want to put the cards on the table for that in that sense. You have um, a vested interest in there being a race. In there being a race, because then we get something to cover. So, yes. um, so you can use that to discount whatever I say, which is that what you saw inside that D- Des Moines Register poll is that Trump was not only ahead by a lot, but his supporters were locked in. They're not going anywhere. In other words, other voters may slosh around, but his are locked in, which means that number, it's a very long shot for Nikki Haley. But... She's at 22% in a recent CNN poll in South Carolina. Tim Scott's at 6%, so his candidacy. And there is, a, there is a thirst for a Trump alternative if there could be just one. But it is still the case that he is close to 50% in the key states, and in national polls, he's at 50%. Uh, sorry, above 50%, which means all other candidates combined still couldn't beat him. So he's in a very commanding position in his party, and he's not penalized, and no one will attack him for what he did, which was to threaten the Constitution by declaring the last election was stolen. It it does seem that none of the other candidates are actually serious candidates, because other than uh, uh, Chris Christie, who seems to have uh, Johnny-come-lately morality about this, is that none of them are attacking him for the things that are easy cudgels at the ready. So let's say January 6th. Let's say 91 indictments. Let's say a judge saying, no, you did rape E. Jean Carroll, which happened in a courtroom here in New York. No one is picking up those weapons against him. That seems like those are kind of just sort of, you know, uh, play candidacies, that you're not actually taking this seriously. They have... Their biggest problem is that they are... That any cudgel they would pick up is very difficult in a party that penalizes you for attacking... Donald Trump. But I would go one further to what you say. We've never had a presidential candidate about whom we know so much. Usually you have to guess how they will act in office. And the key thing you're asking yourself is, will they, in a pinch, act in the service of the Constitution and the country or in their own self-interest? And you have to guess. You have to interview their friends. You have to look at their time as governor or whatever to guess at what they will do in a moment in a pinch. There is on-the-record testimony from people under oath repeatedly about what President Trump did in office. We have the cleanest, best record of what he would do in a pinch when it comes between his personal interest and the country. And again and again, the people closest to him under oath say he failed that test. On January 6th, the leader of the House Republicans, leader of the Senate Republicans, and the vice president all said he failed the constitutional test. We've never had a candidate who has been so thoroughly vetted by his own actions in the job he wants. And despite all of those claims, he would like to be rewarded with a second uh, presidency. And that's extraordinary. And I would say one other thing. If he was uh, indicted for trying to protect the Constitution, would there be enough evidence to convict him? There is no story of him in the two months before January 6th saying, wait a minute, we should be careful about the claims we make because to claim an election is stolen is to rip at the heart of our democracy. So let's pause a minute. There's not a single piece of testimony to that effect. So given everything that you've said about what we know, uh, I asked you a question I asked Anderson Cooper a few weeks ago, and I said to him, like, he started off in 2015 as something of a clownish figure, but now he starts 
as a tragedy. How do you cover a candidate with something um, a, a, a public might perceive as objectivity who starts as a national tragedy? This is something we wrestle with a lot. I think the first thing you do is don't always see the world through the prism of politics, whether it's Donald Trump or not. There are a lot of serious issues in this country right now. So the first thing is, what do we cover that's important to the country before you ever get to Donald Trump? Then when you get to, to Donald Trump, you have to keep asking why. Why do people support him? Why do they feel the way they do? What is it about America that, that they see in Donald Trump, which is more about his supporters than him? Then with Donald Trump, you have to do a couple of things. Just because he does something doesn't mean it's news. He has to do something newsworthy. If he says something because he tells untruths so frequently, sandwich the untruth with two truths. So say the true thing, then report what he said if it's newsworthy, and then sandwich it with the true thing again. That way it, it keeps and contains the untruth that he said. And then also don't take the bait. We know now, as you and I have discussed a lot, that there are a lot of things he does purposefully to inflame the news coverage so that he'll get covered for it. The so metaphor it, that we've used is only swing at actual pitches he's throwing. He throws lots of things that actually aren't pitches. They're just hunks of mud, hoping that you'll swing at it. So right. you won't actually see where the actual ball is. Or he'll throw the ball at your head. And so then you'll, <laughs> then you'll cover the madness. Mm -hmm. The madness isn't where... And, and this is a problem, because there's still all those big issues I talked about earlier out there that need to be reported on and talked about and all that. And the more the chaos pseudo-events are covered, the more this isn't getting covered. And that keeps negative energy in the system. The reason that the electorate gets unhappy is for years and years they've been told by their politicians, we're going to take care of those problems that you're worried about. David Leonard has a book out this week. In 1940, 92% of parents could, could feel like their kids were going to earn more than they could. Now that's down to 50%. In that kind of country, your politicians should strive to make that better. And so they put all this energy and invested all this hope in politicians, and they've been let down. And so if you keep covering the spectacle, that letdown's going to keep happening. So don't let the letdown happen. We have to take another break here, but stick around. We'll be right back with more Mr. John Dickerson, everybody. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. Hey, look at that. From CBS News Primetime, it's John Dickerson. Let, let's go overseas for just a second. Biden went over to Israel, gave uh, Bibi Netanyahu a big hug, and sent two carrier groups, the, 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 the Ford and the Eisenhower, over there to sit off the coast. It's a big show of force on behalf of America. You're covering the, the Israeli-Gaza conflict right now. What is the challenge of that? In, in, any, uh, in, in any conflict, there's the, the, the so-called fog of war. How hard is it for... Uh, let's say, the CBS News organization to feel confident of the news we're, we're getting about the attacks on both sides? Well, the first thing is we have great reporters who are on the ground risking their lives. It's, it's, it's amazing what they do. And producers in Gaza, uh, in danger. Uh, and, and so... Um, uh, you, you rely on their first-hand account. You'd be really slow. You always center the human. They're, these are human beings on, uh, engaged in every possible aspect of this war, and don't forget that. 
um, uh, and and then you have to be um, just just super careful. We have the number of emails that come from our standards department saying, uh, where did this footage come from? Where did this report come from? Be careful of what you say on TV. Not because it's politically charged, which of course it is, but because you don't want to say something that's going to cause... I mean, look at what happened with the early reporting about the hospital bombing at Gaza. It canceled. It essentially kept Biden from one half of his meetings when he went over there because the initial reports were that it had been uh, an Israeli bomb that had hit that hospital. So if, when you think those are the consequences, you just have to be super, super slow um, and, and rely on your reporters to go cover the story everywhere um, as, as best they can without getting hurt. We have been talking on this show together uh, off and on uh, eight-plus years on this show. And those eight years have been, they have felt unprecedented, all of them, and especially the last seven. And uh, you're a student of history. You, you've looked at American politics since the very beginning, or just American history, let alone the politics. Are they unprecedented? Can you give us some context to our times? No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, here's the funny thing about history. We're having... The, we're watching history disappear that just happened on January 6th in 2021. In other words, I sometimes feel like, wait a minute, we need to hold on to the history that just happened because people are already forgetting it. And there's a professional class of people who, you know, uh, didn't see the tweet, didn't see the attack. Like, so that, that to me in terms of, so unprecedented. I mean, there, there was, you know, uh, as you know, as a South Carolinian, um, there was actual violence on the floor of the Senate. And, uh, and Joanne Freeman has a book um, uh, about all of the violence that, led, that, was, that took place before the Civil War. For those of people who are not educated in South Carolina, that was when uh, Senator Brooks attacked Senator Sumner of... Pre- Preston Brooks, the congressman, attacked Con- okay. Sumner Pres- of Massachusetts. Massachusetts, and nearly beat him to death with a cane yeah. on the floor of the Senate because he, over slavery. Right, and they both were treated as heroes by their two sides. So in order to give us a little context and make us feel better, you say, don't worry, it's just as bad as right before the Civil War. <laughs> no, Is that what you're saying, not... <laughs> John Dickerson? Doesn't no, I'm saying like it was... No. Okay. No, no, I'm saying it was much worse during and before the Civil War. Okay. Um, well, there's actually stories of, like, in the, in, the, in the GOP conference of people lunging at Matt Gates. You know, like, there's a little, there's a little like, uh, intimation of violence on that side. Yes, 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 Stephen. I read the same articles you do, Stephen. (laughs) Well, because, well, what's interesting, of course, about that is it's within the same party. And so um, it it goes back and highlights this challenge that now, you know, the new speaker is going to have when he's with uh, Mitch McConnell, which is, do you want to govern or do you want to hold to these ideas that are inconsistent with governing? I mean, you can't hire a vegan to be head of the sausage-making factory. It just, like, there are some inconsistencies, and so that's where a lot of that tension comes up. I mean, what was Kevin McCarthy's big sin for Matt Gates? He made a deal with Democrats to keep the, the government open. I think the broad country would, would prefer people to act in the interest of keeping the government going, um, but that's not where the, the conference is right now. John, just pleasure as always. Thanks for all the, uh, the wisdom. CBS News Primetime streams Monday through Thursday on the CBS News app. It's John Dickerson, everybody. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.